what's the absolute hottest temperature that you have ever been in in your entire life? Pokemon Go Fest 2019 Yokohama was in August in Yokohama, Japan, which is 45 minutes south of Tokyo. Leading up to this, I did not travel anywhere international in my entire life outside of North America. Not only that, this was going to be the first foreign country that I was going to be in that was not going to be English speaking. And I was going to be doing a Pokemon Go Fest event internationally for the first time for my YouTube channel. Before leaving, I spoke with a friend, Richard. Richard let me know that Tokyo and Japan in general is extremely hot and extremely humid. And before this, I had lived in Tampa, Florida. So I thought I have had plenty of experience going through hot and humid weather, experiencing anything that I might have needed to, and I would be prepared enough to be able to handle any type of heat in Japan. And plus, I maybe thought he was over-exaggerating just a smidget. However, when I did show up in Tokyo, he was not over-exaggerating in the least bit. He might have been even under-exaggerating a little bit. Not only was it in and around 100 degrees every single day, I would say the humidity was approximately 100% as well, and no, it was not raining. So, five days getting adjusted in Japan. I am now in Yokohama, 9 a.m., ready to go to GoFest. I step out of my hotel room, and instantaneously, my camera lens fogs. Not only does the front camera lens fogs, but if you guys know anything about cameras, you know that you can interchange lenses. So the lens that connects the actual lens into the camera also fogged. So I had to wait 20 minutes before my camera warmed up to the outside temperature before I could even start shooting anything. If you guys have seen my vlog, you do know that the first clip was a fogged camera from 2019 in Yokohama. I get to the park. The park starts at 10 a.m. and they are already announcing on the loudspeakers that there is a heat warning that everybody should take cover and if it does get a little bit hotter, they're going to be planning to cancel this event, which for me is extremely detrimental because I just traveled 11 hours direct flight from LAX into Tokyo and then took a 45-minute train ride south in order to get to Yokohama for this event. So going into the event, the event starts at 10. I am already completely drenched. I realized that I didn't bring any sunscreen because I didn't think it was going to be that hot. Not only that, there's only three trees approximately throughout the entire park. I look over the whole park and see nothing but people gathered under each tree, nobody in the intersections between the trees, and I was wondering what was going on. Going to buy some sunscreen, putting that on, I start to walk around the GoFest because if you want to get different types of Pokemon and to make my video the best that it can be, I have to walk throughout the entire park frequently in order to get those Pokemon to spawn. After 45 minutes of doing this, I realized that, oh my goodness, I think I might pass out. Once again, getting into this state, and I don't know if you guys have ever been there, of potential heat poisoning, I am sitting there literally feeling like I'm having dissonance between my brain, my ears start ringing, and I'm feeling like my world is starting to close inward, which is not a good place to be, especially after one hour of being in this event. Not only being there for one hour, it's extremely hot, I'm drenched, but I need to make this day work for me. So in my mind, I am now contemplating, am I even going to be able to take this day and make the most out of it after traveling all this way to take, hopefully, my YouTube channel with a huge risk from where it was and to try to get myself to the next level. Let's get into the episode. It's time to take a break from your day and let us build it in a positive way. 
This is Break and Build with Brad and Billy. <laughs> uh, so this is episode nine. This is part two of Choosing Your Ooh. Career. We're jumping right back into it. If you have not listened to our other episodes, go back, start from the beginning. And if you don't want to go all the way back to the beginning and you're jumping to this one, at least go to episode eight, because this is a two-part uh, episode series, whatever it is. This is the second part of it. So go and uh, start to listen from the beginning, or you might be a little lost in this one and not know exactly what's going on. Uh, so where we left off in the first part was kind of getting into Billy's YouTube career and you know, not having all of the appropriate equipment, not testing stuff, just, you know, it's MacGyver city over there with duct tape and, uh, you know, straws to, you know, make this stuff work. Not really, but that's the only thing I can come up with. (laughs) And everybody listening has no idea who MacGyver is because that's how old we are. (laughs) Uh, so, so yeah, so you know, the, the audio was not the best. It was a lob that, uh, you know, was, was purchased last, last minute with no testing. $15. Here's one thing. If you can learn one thing right here, right now, before we start this episode, never buy cheap audio equipment ever. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like that like for like any like electronic $100 equipment thing in general. And a $15 thing, like instantly buy the $100 thing. <laughs> Just yeah. don't even think about the $15 thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's some things where like you just you can't cheap out on it. Some some stuff you can, right? You want to go get an end table for your bed? Sure. You're not going to be able to tell the <laughs> difference between a $10 table and a $100 table unless you try to stand on it and it might break on you. But that's not what they're mm-hmm. used for. Now, audio, mm-hmm. you're going to tell the difference because they're all used for the same thing. Uh so it's like you've got to just uh, you know, and that that's that's kind of the struggle is you might not necessarily have the money to put into stuff. So it's at what point do you take that step to get the better equipment and when can you afford it and how do you know it's worth it? Um, exactly. And that's, that's one of the hardest things to get over when you're, when you are a content creator, cause there's kind of two roads of content creation. It's, I want to buy everything and have this amazing setup, right? I want to go and drop $2,000 on mics and cameras and all this stuff, whether you're a streamer or a YouTuber and you just want to start off with the best of the best. And then you're just going to get even more mad when you're not getting views to start off. And we've talked about that you have to get through this grind. And that's what we're about to jump into is how the grind works and how you started it. So like if if you go like imagine, Billy, if you went and you spent two thousand dollars on a camera and another thousand dollars on a camera lens and, you know, five hundred dollars on a good mic and then tripods and then lights and then all these other things. Right. So you're whatever, 2,500 bucks, $3,000 in the hole before you even start your journey. Now when your videos or your streams are getting 10, 100 views and like they're not getting what you want them to get to to start off, right? You think you're going to be famous from day one. It doesn't happen. Uh, So like that puts this whole like just weight on your shoulders immediately of you're underperform. You think you're underperforming. You're probably not. You are going to get discouraged faster because you're like, I just wasted all this money, blah, 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 and all these things. And, you know, so it's like, at what point do you need to actually start to get that gear? And how do you start without that gear, right? You've got to start without it. You've got to start with what you have. Don't put money into it. Um, yes, it is like building up a business, 
but all businesses do not start with the best stuff. If you've listened to our clothing stuff and how that started, if you listen to our gaming stuff and how that started, we started with nothing in every single business we have ever done. So you have to figure out how to start with nothing. Everybody's got a cell phone. I'll tell you that, right? Like everybody in this day and age has a cell phone that has a microphone on it and it has a camera on it. That's pretty much all you need to get started. Uh, do not worry about quality. Worry about the information and the content you're putting out. Quality can come down the road and it can get improved on, like Billy says, you know, read the comments and everything like that. So, you know, you can see what people want and then just improve on what people want. And then when you can take a step, you take a step. Um, so you start off with this this gear that is not ideal. And then where do you go from there since, you know, you were discouraged from that, you had to make the best of it. Um, you now have a year of just grinding, right? But you're not consistently grinding. You're doing videos every now and then, right? There, You don't have a consistent daily video or anything yet, right? No, I actually at this point, um, I had already decided, I think this, I decided a month before the GoFest that I had the blown out audio in that we left off from last episode that... I'm going to start doing a video a day. And so this is my new thing starting then um, because I kind of saw a little bit of increase in my viewership because around the summer for Pokemon Go, it's always just like, you know, people are out, people are exploring, you know, kids are on summer vacation. So there's a lot more time for people to potentially do stuff. And, you know, that leads to kids having more time and people potentially having more time being outside and then Pokemon Go becomes a thing, right? So every year, everybody's always seeing a ton of Pokemon Go players. I'll say, oh my God, Pokemon Go is still a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely still a thing and it's growing fast. So yeah, man. Um, back to your point on the equipment. I mean, so we had that one, we had like a leftover camera, right? From AGL that yeah. I tried to use and it was a Canon Rebel. I think it was a T4, mm -hmm. I believe. Yep. T4. And so those are cameras first, video second, which what I mean yeah. by that is they don't really have that great of autofocusing. So <clears throat> what I started with was that <clears throat> on a tripod. And I looked at that thing and I would have to manually um, focus it. On a subject so that manually, isn't there. Right, on a subject <laughs> that isn't there because I didn't have people with me all the time. Yeah. So I would kind of like put my hand out in front of this camera and hopefully be at the same distance that I was going to be. And then I would manually focus it to my hand on this like extremely awkward, like looking around the viewfinder thing. And then I would go and record it. The problem with that is I didn't have anybody to double check me. So after the third time of my video being completely blurry and filming for 15 minutes straight, I trashed that idea. <laughs> and I went and bought like a super cheap uh, phone. I don't know, it was like 10 or 15 bucks tripod extender where I could put my phone onto my onto my tripod and I flipped it sideways and then I could have my my front facing camera. So I'd use the front facing camera of the phone looking at me so I could see, make sure I was in focus and you know, the phone was recording. And then I found out that you could just, uh, if you put your phone in uh, airplane mode, it wouldn't be projecting any type of uh, EMFs towards the mics because mics are super sensitive. So I would just turn that the phone on airplane mode and I would put the mic on there and then I'd be able to shoot with a mic on the, on the phone and it would be pretty good quality. So I did that for over a year, even in this first GoFest that we talked about, I was using this thing. So as we talked about, there's always going to be some upfront cost. But in this vlog scene, like the upfront cost is like you need to spend, what, 50 bucks a month to be able to get your premiere because I just don't think iMovie cuts it. Or you could do Final Cut Pro, which is like a $250 investment. And then you don't really ever have to 
re-upgrade again, which is kind of nice. Um, and besides that, like a phone and like a small jank tripod. So you're maybe looking at like $300 in comparison to a camera that could be a, you know, minimally a, a $500 investment. And then you probably want a lens and then a different tripod and then a mic that we're talking like, mm -hmm. you know, over a thousand dollars now. So like Brad said, I think it's, it's really important to jump into this without over leveraging yourself unless like unless two thousand dollars like unless you're making really good money and a two thousand dollars is throwaway money yeah. sure sure yeah of course like then sure why not where it's like i can use this for other things if i fail at this but the the extra pressure that brad talked about is is not really a good thing because in, when brad said maybe you're not underperforming in my opinion i underperformed like crazy like straight up like it was just bad even if <laughs> even for a first one like i was just terrible so I was for sure underperforming. And so if I would have went out and spent all that money and I have this 30 day window to return it and I see how terrible I am, that would just potentially add to me like, okay, well maybe I should return this because I overextended. I'm not doing very well. Yeah. And then that just could downfall to you just stopping all of your content and what you want to do completely. So you want to just yeah, could. try to avoid that. Exactly. So I think the better way to go about it is let your YouTube channel demand that you upgrade stuff. So yeah. I basically start grinding for a year now straight of a video a day. So I believe at this place, I was probably at 2018 in June, maybe like five to 7,000 subscribers is where I'm at. And so I grind for a year straight all the way. I moved to Oregon um, in October. My first video that goes crazy which was super unexpected. I think I'm maybe out 15,000 subscribers. This is in uh, November, I believe. Uh, my first video that like really kind of goes off, it goes to like 90,000 views in like three days. And so I'm like, wow, like this could really be a thing. So now we're at, uh, you know, 15,000 subscribers. And I know that like GoFest is always annually in June in Chicago. So I, my goal is to get as many subscribers as I possibly can by June, because then when I'm in the in-person event and the summertime comes around, it's a humongous spike. And the more subscribers you can have, the more popularity your video can become. And no, you don't get paid off your subscribers for anybody out there that's curious. Subscribers are basically just like a leverage that these people can then watch your videos. So it's good to have more subscribers, but, but you don't just want subscribers, you want dedicated subscribers. That are going to watch about, like, yeah, that like why people subscribe. It's almost like people like literally think in their minds that when they subscribe to your YouTube channel, it's like, it's like they're investing in you and they're like buying something. It's like going to buy a car. They're like, they literally will watch you for like weeks to months. Most people like I've seen in the comments all the time, like been watching you for three months now, like finally started to subscribe, like really like your content. I'm like, wow, like. You know, it took me that long to earn your subscription, which is cool. Like it, it's a different perspective. Like some people just get on like, oh, dude, I love this stuff. Yep. Subscribe. Then you have the other people that are like, you have to basically like they're buying a car. Well, it's a marketing thing. So in yeah, to touch kind of why that works. So the the typical person needs to see something on average 10 times before they will commit to it. So that's why all these advertisement companies and marketing companies put stuff everywhere, right? They put it on billboards, they put it on commercials, they put it on you know pieces of paper that you get in your mail and so on and so forth. Because if they say an average person is going to see our brand 10 times in a week of this new product that we put out there, right? McDonald's has a new breakfast sandwich. 
Well, they need to put that as many places as possible because to get most people, you're not going to go and try it in the first time. You're not going to go try it the second time you see it. It's going to take you around 10 times of seeing it to then finally go, oh, wow, I've seen this everywhere. Maybe I should just try it and see what it's all about. So mm-hmm. by the time your brain actually like clicks and recognizes to go and you know do this thing that you've seen so many times, uh, so you got to think converting people into subscribers and into fans and stuff like that. There are the ones that happen right away, but then there's the other ones where it's going to take them forever because, and then they're going to commit and they're going to say, Hey, I want to get these notifications and I want to support you. Um, but that's kind of why it takes up most people longer and why you're investing when you're doing content to your current people, but then you're investing in the people that are going to come in three months and six months and in a year that have been watching mm-hmm. you that whole time. And you just don't even know they exist yet. Right. Yeah. So I think now is probably a good time before we start talking about transitioning into the next GoFest is to talk about your consistency. And I think the psychology that I've understood a little bit about being consistent. Um, and I talked to Brad about this when he was starting his Warhammer channel. It's like, when you start a YouTube channel, right? And so whatever you're going to do, whether it be music, whether it be entertainment, whether it just be straight vlogs or it's gaming vlogs or in my instance, Pokemon Go vlogs or Brad's instance, Warhammer vlogs, people that are going to subscribe to you and keep watching you, they may not know that they're looking for this, but they're looking for consistency. And so one of the biggest hindrances that I see when people start their channel is, okay, I'm starting a YouTube channel. I put out two videos, they absolutely suck. And then they don't put another one out for a month. Mm -hmm. And the first two came out in like the first two weeks. And so maybe you had 10 to 15 people that watched your video or 30 people or 50 people or whatever the video views are, and you're discouraged. And there's nothing wrong with that up front. But I'm just going to tell you up front that if you do want to do content, being consistent is like literally the most important part. Even if it's just you commit one video a month, or one video a week starting off because that's feasible for you and you need to get into the you know the scheduling because when you're doing this, pe- you, people are gonna start depending, people become dependent on you. They wanna depend on you for whatever you're doing, right? Whether that be, why do you think there's TV schedules? Like, mm-hmm. you know, The Masked Singer comes out, I don't know what day it is, Mondays, every Monday at 7 p.m., right? Because people depend on schedules and they want your information. So as soon as they start seeing that somebody becomes unreliable, like for me, I put out Pokemon Go information. If I maybe missed three big announcements in a row at this point in time, all my viewers would be like, what is going on? Like, I always know I can depend on Billy for his information. And now all of a sudden he just skipped this or didn't do this or whatever that is, you know, that subconsciously, even if they don't think about it, is starting to put messaging in their head. Like this person is not always going to be reliable for me. The best thing you could do is being the most dependent person ever for that person, right? Because if you can fill their needs of entertainment or in my, my, uh, places, entertainment, as well as strategy. And I can consistently do that for that person. I've automatically become their go-to. So that's why like literally consistency, especially when you're a young channel is like the most important thing to do. Yeah. And I actually, to touch on the, the kind of the struggle from my end, when I recently started a channel. So I started a channel back in 2017 and I did it very consistently for, uh, 
probably a solid two months, like a video every mm -hmm. day. And like our channel was getting a lot of really good traction. And then I just got super busy and I stopped. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to pick that back up like six months later, a year later. And I was like, okay, now all the viewership is gone. Nobody's there. Right. Cause people yeah. don't, the channel just doesn't exist. You're starting from square one. And so this mm -hmm. year I started to do it again. And the consistency of putting out one to two videos a week to start uh, has been a really good starting point. But if I miss a week now of a video or two, then it's going to hurt our growth, right? So mm -hmm. consistency is huge. And if you are streaming, your consistency is even more important. Like yeah. you have to literally stream every single day for eight to 10 hours a day. If you miss a day, it is like missing a month in YouTube. Like it is mm -hmm. such a drastic difference. Um, you, your following just goes completely goodbye if you miss a day of streaming. Um, and that's if you're trying to build up a streaming, like streaming by yourself. If you have an already established brand and platform, it's a completely different story. We're talking about new content, new creation. Um, and you know that even the the really big streamers out there like when they go on vacation and stuff like that like their you know subscriber and income and stuff like that like just plummets and then they have to build it back up so it's just like a, a huge roller coaster ride of the second people can't connect with you for a single day mm -hmm. they just like don't know what to do with themselves so you like you it have to be connecting to with people dependability yeah it's it's crazy you have thousands tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of friends out there that you don't even know are your friends. Yeah. I mean, it's personal, <laughs> right? It's like, it's literally like buying a car. It's like what I, I feel like when I'm, when I see somebody talk about it, like how they, how they describe how they're like, Oh, I've been following you forever. And I just decided to, mm -hmm. to subscribe today. Love your content. And I was like, Oh, wow. Like, I just thought like, you know, if you're following me and you've watched like 10 of my videos, it's like, why wouldn't I subscribe? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, it's, I, I it's not, it's not a commitment, right? Like all you're doing is yeah. getting notifications and that's if you turn yeah, the notifications there's no payment, on, there's nothing involved. It's literally yeah. just clicking the button. Like, Hey, I want to, and you don't, and dude, the, the notifications is the second part. I know like, you subscribe. That's not even necessarily saying I want to get your videos pushed to me. Mm -hmm. It just shows up in your feed. So if you go to like, you know, YouTube, you'll see it. Yeah in your feed and you can click on the subscriptions and be like, here's the people that I want to just see what their new content is. Yeah. Uh, you're or not occasionally like YouTube will push like, Hey, this person uploaded a video and it'll be like three days old. <laughs> yeah. So you're going into the next go fest. What is your, have you changed your gear at all at this point? And what are your goals going into this? Cause this is where you, you're hoping to take the next leap in your content. Yeah. So actually, I think in December, when that one video went crazy, or end of November, um, I was looking around. And for me, it wasn't super urgent, but Black Friday was coming up. So I do believe during this time, Best Buy threw out a Black Friday deal of a Canon M O M O six camera. And I don't know, it was like four or $500. And legit, at this time, my channel was making about four to $500 a month. So um, yeah, I pretty much spent my entire YouTube revenue on that camera. At that point, I got a little creative and put it on a Best Buy credit card with 12 months, no financing. So I, I was able to pay it off in a couple months, uh, rather than just shelling out the entire thing. And yeah, that was the investment right there. And 
um, just do your homework on your stuff because I didn't completely do all my homework or think this through. And the Canon M06 flips up with the viewfinder and I want to see the viewfinder just to make sure that all the background is good and the lighting's good. And so I needed a mic. So then I ended up having to buy like this super rigged out uh, tripod so that I can put my mic on and still see the viewfinder because I can't put the mic on top because it blocks the viewfinder then. So I use this camera all the way. Like it's great because now I can put this camera on the tripod. I don't have to use my phone anymore. Um, I can see it and the quality is better. So I'm, I'm excited about this. And I go all the way until keep grinding a video a day virtually until June 2019, which was last year, about uh, 14 months ago. And so I build my following virtually a video a day. Um, so 30 videos, which is crazy. I don't, I don't even know what I'm thinking. But anyway, <laughs> it's a grind, right? You just got to grind it. It's just go. And I get it all the way. So I'm going into GoFest 2019 with 34,000 subscribers. So in a year, it's compounding. But if you think about it, like doubling 5,000, which would be pretty, you know, if any business out there is like, I doubled, I doubled my business in a year. Like that's pretty good. So I got all the way to 35,000, 34,000 going into GoFest. And this GoFest like kind of changed like my perspective on everything. It just like I got to a place where I earned a lot more notoriety from other YouTubers. Um, I actually remember. So the first day before GoFest, it's on a Wednesday. I think GoFest started on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or it was a Tuesday. And, and there was five days of GoFest. There was a YouTuber meetup. And so I was still like a new baby YouTuber at the time. And I remember like all the YouTubers come to this huge meetup in Millennium Park and there's like maybe three to 500 people and they all walk up and everybody starts cheering. And I'm like sitting on the sideline just watching this. And I was like, damn, this is pretty cool. And at that moment, it kind of like, I don't know, it, it fired something up in me that I was like, man, like, you know, these people actually get to connect with people and they get to make a difference in a lot of these people's lives. And it was something that I was like, okay, like this is like pretty cool. And so that was like the first time where I was like, wow, like I really want to keep, keep doing this because it's, it's bigger than I think it could be. Like I knew it was cool and I was doing it and having fun, but that like changed me in that moment. And I was like, I want to be one of those people. And so the next day happens. I don't really connect with any much of the YouTubers. You know, a couple people recognize me, but then I get to meet uh, Reversal. And Reversal is one of the bigger Pokemon Go YouTubers. Um, I think he's at 350,000 subscribers. Right now he only streams Twitch, but he at the time was doing full-time Pokemon Go YouTube. And he supported me back at the other one we talked about. He just told me like be super consistent. I asked him a question at the end, super friendly about it. And so now this one, I think he had been following me and I'm going to put an asterisk in here. So a lot of things I see when people come for first time YouTubers, they always come and they'll hit up content creators. I see it on Twitter all the time. Like, Hey, just started YouTube wondering if you can check me out, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's something to just earning your place through hard work. That for me, I never asked anybody to check me out on YouTube or anything like that. Like it was only just like work hard, build your local community, which is going to build your online following and start making you YouTube algorithm relevant. And then like earn like your content demands that people start talking about you. And then other content creators will hear about you 
from people asking about you. And so that's what happened with Reversal because I, I went up and said, hey, you know, like I'm Billy. You know, I have a YouTube channel called The Trainer Club. And he's like, oh, yeah, dude, I heard about you. And I was like, oh, really? Like, that was surprising to me. And so this time, you know, and it also puts you in a different type of arena with these people that it's not like I didn't just start and just started trying to get somebody to watch me because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to earn my place in that in that aspect. So this one, I bump into him like really early go fest. We always play day one for content creators because if I played day five, everybody else's video went off day one after the next morning. And so being a small channel, you have to be very, very conscious about timing. Like timing is the only leverage you have against people. If you can put your video out first, that's how you win. It has to be quality, but you have to get your video out first <laughs> because every, once they push their videos, they're already YouTube algorithm leveraged and they're gonna outperform you every single time and then you could get put down, right? Like in, in the numbers. You don't wanna get put down in the numbers. You wanna be as prompt as possible. So every time after these GoFest, people may, that are other content creators may like, you know, be more comfortable, but I'm hungry at this point and I need to get all my videos out first. Like it has to happen. So we play day one, we play the entire day. I meet Zoe for the first time. Zoe's an Australian YouTuber. And the cool thing is, is that a lot of content creators are usually cool, but like this Pokemon Go scene is really different because a lot of people are like so welcoming, like everybody's so diverse. All, a lot of the fan, like there's not really that many trolls out there. It's just like so much different from the AGL stuff that we talked about. That's like, wow, this is really cool. And something that like is inspiring to me. So we played the entire day um, and it's a blast. But then my goal is like get my video out as fast as possible. So this time is when I like I, I went and filmed the day before with my mic. And since there's so many cell phones around in downtown Chicago, I had a, just a standard road, you know, $50 mic. I was like my, all my audio had this really high pitch beeping sound. And I was like, I can't go into GoFest with this. So I go out the next day, like literally that night I go to Best Buy. And I invest in like a $250 road mic. And there's two versions. There's the Pro and the Pro Plus. And so I get the Pro because I like, I don't know why I need the Pro Plus. <clears throat> I film the entire day on the Pro. You have to manually turn it on. At the end of the day, I bump into another content creator. He's like, oh, you got a new mic. I was like, yeah. He's like, which one is it? I was like, oh, it's the Pro. He's like, dude, you didn't get the Pro Plus. And I was like, no, why? He's like, the Pro Plus, like you don't have to flip it on and off. It auto turns on and off. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I remember specifically, I had a clip. I forgot to turn the mic on because I'm not used to it, right? So I forgot to turn the mic on. The clip is like no audio at all. And I was like, oh God. So I got the mic and uh, it was a game changer. It, no, no frequency coming through. It, it's a smart, adaptable mic. But at this point, like my channel demanded that I had it. And actually rewind back. I actually went the whole GoFest day. Now I'm thinking about it actual GoFest day without that mic and I had audio beeping throughout my entire video and I was crushed once again. So two of the biggest events of my life have audio issues. And in that moment, for because I was going to be there for five days and go out and film and, and uh, interact with people and then go out and vlog with some of the other potential YouTubers and stuff like that. I was like, this is never going to happen to me again. So the entire day I film and I have high pitched audio coming through my mic. And I was like, never again will this happen. So that night I went out and bought that. So two of the biggest events that could have easily made me crash my channel were completely destroyed audio. 
I mean, I, I still made the video and I had to try to turn the music up in certain points because it's not the entire like it's like frequencies come through. And it's just it was it was so upsetting that that happened. So I don't know if you know this, but you know, there's ways to get that out while you're editing. Yeah, I'm sure that there are. I didn't know how to do it at the time. <laughs> yeah, but dude, like it's not like low pitch. It's literally like the highest pitch beeping noise. Yeah. So. so so anybody that's out there. Audio is one of the hardest things to deal with. Um, even coming from like a super professional side, the mics you use, how they're calibrated, how they pick up background noise, what background noise there is, everything like that. There's certain mics for certain situations and you really, really have to understand how to use them to get good audio. Um, somebody like myself who knows all of this still has audio problems to this day. And I just kind of know that at this point, whenever I'm working with somebody with audio, I just assume they're going to give me the audio in the worst possible way that it could be. Um, I just assume that they're going to be using a cell phone and there's going to be loud air conditioning or something <laughs> like that. It's just, that's just what happens, right? Like you're in a house and you're standing under a vent, right? <laughs> you might not be able to hear that yourself, but let me tell you that mic hears that noise louder Especially than a tornado outside of your house. Like <laughs> cell phone mics. Yeah. Sure. So it really comes down to the editing and understanding how you can edit audio and which filters you can put in and understanding really how all the audio works. So there there's two ways you either invest in, good audio and understanding how the mic is going to work and do your due diligence of testing to make sure it's going to sound good. So then you don't have to worry about an editing or you just film with whatever you want. You use whatever mic with whatever background noise. And then you worry about it on the editing side. It's not going to be perfect. It will never be perfect mm -hmm. when you have those problems, but you can improve it by probably 60 to 70% most of the time. If it's just like outdoor wind, you can usually improve it by like 95%. Um, the problem with outdoor wind for me is that my voice is almost a similar frequency. So it's and so when I would it. try to correct the outside wind, it would like distort my voice. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different like filters and equalizers and frequencies that you have to go through to change and stuff like that. And most of the time it will start to turn you into a robot. It will start to turn you into, you know, mm -hmm. sounding like you're in a bathroom. Um, those are the two biggest <laughs> outcomes of editing you know audio uh so sometimes you just suck it up and you say this is the best it's going to get and you put it out there but it's yeah. better than hearing you know something screaming in your ear the whole time so if that ever does happen there is ways to fix it just youtube it uh yeah. you know there's a million people out there that'll tell you how to fix it um so yeah that's 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 my whole thing it's definitely good to have a mic and do your testing and stuff like that. It's easier than editing it on the back end. But if you do run into mm -hmm. those situations, because it will happen to everybody at some point, um, make the best of it by just trying to edit out what mm. you can. Right. And this was the first time that I experienced that. And I'm also in the time crunch because usually that's what I do. Like if I have an issue with a video or I need to do lighting or whatever, I YouTube like, how do I fix this? Because there's mm -hmm. plenty of amazing tutorials. But like I talked about, you need to leverage your time in my content creator, like smallness and like trying to grow. Like I was like, you know, if I, if I have to start trying to mess with this right now, like it could take me 
a few hours to try to get this down. Yeah, and you're I wasting didn't have time. That at that yeah. time. Yeah, I'm up against the clock. Yep, makes perfect sense. Yeah, so we'll just speed this up a little bit. I go, I finally, I got, there was a YouTuber dinner on Sunday that I got invited to. And that was like pretty cool for me because now I'm sitting at a table, which over a year, a year ago, I didn't even know any of these people existed. I didn't know Pokemon Go YouTube was a thing. And now I'm sitting at dinner with all of these other content creators that have been doing it for much longer than me. And I was like, dude, this is pretty cool that like, you know, a lot of my friends are like, oh my gosh, like, you know, oh, do you, do you know, like trainer tips? Do you know, like Zoe, do you know reversal? Do you know Mystic Seven? Now I'm like, you know, sitting at dinner with all these people that like, I didn't even know existed before, but like so many friends of mine are like super fans of, and I was like, wow, this is like, you know, pretty cool that I'm really starting to earn my spot. And so that, that closes. And then for the events, just be cautious guys. Like you're going to be on like a super high and then like, you're going to crash, man. It's like, it's a weird feeling to, to go through. And obviously like the first couple, it's hard to navigate it, but like it's, it's strange. So then going forward, uh, reversal messages me and says, Hey man, like, you know, I know Japan's coming up and all the tickets were free, but they were sold out like immediately, uh, sold out, meaning you just people bid on them. Cause there's so many people in Japan that play. And he's like, you know, if you want to come, I have a plus one and I can get you in. And my channel was still not doing like, like I was growing, but the revenue wasn't really growing. And I was like, man, this is really going to be a stretch. And I thought about it. I was like, let me think about it and get back to you. So I go, obviously, first thing I do is look up flights. I see a round trip ticket for like 750 bucks to Tokyo uh, if I can fly out of LAX. And I had never flew over five hours before. So I was like, oh, gosh, like so many things that are going to push me out of my comfort zone. And I oh, was like, yeah, I'm down, dude. I was like, I am down. So he gets me the ticket, registers me. I buy my flight. And that's all. And I was like, I know that if I buy my flight and I commit to the ticket, like I'm going. And so now I'm going to Tokyo two months later and I'm flying out of LAX. So the original thing was I was going to fly down to LAX a day or two before and chill and rest and then just fly out. But I ended up packing all my stuff from Oregon and driving it down 14 hours in a U-Haul truck and putting it in a storage place in LA. And then I, I flew out of LAX. So... Yeah, that that this whole experience gets crazy, man. I go to Tokyo thinking people are going to speak some English. I literally get off the plane, leave at 11 a.m. I land at 2 p.m. So I fly for 11 hours and it's three hours later. And I need to be in an event at four and I get to the airport. Nobody speaks English. I have absolutely no idea what's going on. I had my friend Richard, um, big shout out to Richard for all the stuff that he helped me at least understand. But there's some things you can't understand until you're actually like in those things. And I go to this girl that's standing there at the train station. And I was like, I don't know what this means. Like, I need to get to this stop. And she's like, just points in a direction. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> this is going to be a trip. I'm over there for 17 days. It's a, so, it's yeah, a lot of we days. get there. Seven, huh? It's a lot of days. 17 days anywhere is a long time. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like if I'm going to fly that long, I, I, I like think like, I want to maximize this. Like, I don't want to fly over and like, just be tired and then come back. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So I get there. I don't know what I'm doing. I found an Airbnb, which was super nice, but, um, you know, nobody speaks English. Um, 
I didn't find out how good Google Maps was for trains because there's no cars. You can't call taxi cabs. And then the food everywhere, like they don't Google Maps very well. And, you know, I'm pretty strict on like eating good quality food. So I have to start like <laughs> searching through all these Japanese named restaurants to try to find something. So I find a restaurant that's literally called the gluten-free organic restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm pretty sure I could go to this place. That's literally the name of it. I'm, That's the name on Google name Maps is the gluten-free organic restaurant. And I was like, wow, it doesn't oh, get much better than this my right gosh. here. And so everything on the map in Tokyo looks like it's like really close, but it's far. Like it's far. So I have to take 45-minute train rides every time I want to eat anywhere. And the thing about Tokyo is I'm completely out of my comfort zone. I'm by myself over there solo. Uh, learning how to do a foreign country for the first time. But at the same time, like at this time, I'm, I'm at 50,000 subscribers. So I gained about 15,000 subscribers since the other GoFest in two months. And now I'm like, in my mind, I want to vlog because before this, my vlogs were like 2,000 subscribers, 2,000 views. And <clears throat> Tokyo being that I can be somewhere that other, a lot of people can't from my uh, following base, they now want to see what I have to say. So I go from 2000 views on my vlogs to 20,000 views on my vlogs, like overnight. But I knew that my subscribers back home are also participating in events. So it wasn't an either or like, I'm going to vlog and not do my tips. It was like, I'm now in overtime work that I'm putting out my tips videos and I'm putting out my vlog videos. And I can't compromise those tips video because I know that's what I built my channel on. And I can't send the messaging to my, my fans that if I start doing vlogs and I'm traveling, that their tip reliability for me becomes obsolete. So I already knew that in my mind going into this, that like I have to work overtime on this event to make sure that I can put out both pieces of content because I understood my audience base. And I think that's really what helped me grow my vlogs because people became now comfortable watching my vlogs because it knew that they weren't gonna compromise my quality of tips at the same time. So I think that was like a big growth for me uh, my content and being able to do that. So yeah, man, that was challenging. And I think that that's another good point while you are being a content creator is something that a lot of people might try to do is try a bunch of content and kind of see what works and what lands, right? Mm -hmm. You might be like, Oh, I have these 50 series ideas and I'm just going to go through, and I'm going to try them all and I'm going to see what works and what doesn't work. Uh, typically what you end up doing is you end up spreading your fan base and viewer base very thin then right and you're going to get yeah. lower viewership on all of these series and you're not going to get a lot of subscribers because people care about one of those 10 videos you put out so they don't care mm -hmm. they just don't flat out don't care about the content you're putting out and what you're doing is you're harnessing here is the piece of content that i'm building my channel on and then at some point you can try a new piece of content without hurting your mainstream. And if that is successful, now right. you have two pieces of content with potentially two different audiences that have, you know, fade over. And if you can do that, now you can start to keep branching out into other series that, you know, maybe fit, you know, what you want to do as fun, you can say, or different or unique, right? That you like really enjoy. Like if, right, if you wanted to go and make food that is in, you know, shapes of different Pokemon because you just love cooking. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe that would not be very successful in the start, but now if you go and make a Charizard cake, I bet you everyone's watching that. Cause they want to see Billy make a Charizard cake. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You should make that video because I want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> 
so you know you know it's like it's like you 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 meet these kind of these plateaus and these points in content creation where you you get more freedom to what you can do and this was you experiencing a success on being able to vlog which is something that you enjoyed doing to show everybody where you are and what you're doing and be a part of your traveling experience um all right so you you're you're in japan for GoFest. so what mm-hmm. what happened what happened there yeah so GoFest in japan so richard reached out to me when i was talking with him i was like hey what do i need what do i need and he's like yeah dude like it's really really hot over here and humid and i lived in florida before so i was like Maybe he's just over exaggerating just a tad because you never know. Like some people are are different, you know, tolerances and whatnot. And as far as everybody's concerned in North America, like Florida is the humid, like the most humid part, like that you could possibly go to. You walk outside, you're like, "Ooh, I need to change already. (laughs) Seriously, it's like sweating instantly. So I get to Japan and he's like, yeah, it's hot and humid. As soon as GoFest starts, like I'm already there for a couple days before GoFest because I want to get acclimated. And so GoFest is in Yokohama. So Yokohama is 45 minutes south of Tokyo. So I get down there. I stay at a hotel. I wake up the morning of GoFest and it is like heat warning. Not only is it about 100 degrees outside, the humidity is probably over 100%. Like I'm not even kidding you. Like my lens and my camera fogged up and then the lens inside of the lens fogged up in my camera when I walked outside of the hotel room. And so we're at GoFest on the first day. Not only like nobody recognizes any of us really because we're in Japan. So it's really unique to see nobody getting mobbed at one of these GoFests. But it also like it's so hot that like I didn't start out going with these people. Everybody else is in Tokyo and commutes down. I was in Yokohama. So I have to find the YouTubers to meet up with them. Everybody's phones are on silent during the GoFest so that nothing comes. So I'm basically like out there by myself, which is totally cool. And I'm like watching this and people are migrating from like the tree areas shade to like the next tree areas. And it is like hectic. They're announcing that like if it gets too hot, we're going to have to cancel the GoFest. And I remember like obviously because I have to walk like I need a video. So I need to walk like I can't just sit under a tree the whole time. Like I need to go to these different habitats and I need to try to get different shiny. So I need to make like the circles around the park. And it's not a huge park. But I remember like two and a half hours in it's so hot and i'm sweating so bad and the event is seven hours that i like literally start like feeling like cognitive dissonance like my brain starts to be like whoa bro like it's way too hot out here like you know when you like the pressure starts building and like you start feeling anxiety like you're gonna pass out like that's literally what i started feeling like two hours in so i came 11 hours across the entire world to then potentially almost like pass out at go fest and i'm like There's no way I can pass out. Like, there's just no way. I need this footage. Like, this is like a pinnacle point in my YouTube channel. Like, if this was anything else in my life, I probably would have just like taken a step back, be like, I'm gonna chill for like an hour and then I'll come back out. And I just like flipped a switch in my head and I was like, no, that's not what's happening. You're not passing out. You're gonna be fine. And like, I literally played like for an hour with that like heat stroke feeling. And I had to like maneuver some trees a little bit to try to like get that feeling down. But we ended up playing the entire rest of the day. I've never been so hot in my entire life. Like at the end of my GoFest vlog, like you can literally see we're all sitting on the on the grass and I'm completely beat red. But the video finally came out like what I wanted. And I was able to get footage for the first time, you know, at a GoFest without mic issues. 
um, everything came out pretty solid and uh, ended up connecting with the YouTubers and like all that hard work that I had been working for like a year and a half kind of like came to this point right now where it was like, wow, like I, I actually like did it. And so I put out those vlogs. I was vlogging the whole time. There's shiny Rayquaza comes out for the first time ever. So like the content is insane coming from Japan start building the subscribers. People to this day still like that meet me for the first time. Like, hey man, really loved your work in Japan. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. Like I actually made an impact with a vlog and my tips and everything like that. So it felt amazing. I end up going through Japan exploring uh, five days in Tokyo. Then I went to uh, Kyoto by bullet train. I literally hiked to the top of the mountain. Another experience in the brutal heat. It looks like this little place that you can just go to and uh, go around the corner and there's going to be monkeys, but they don't show you that, that you're hiking up to the top. So I'm there at 1 p.m. It's scorching hot. I hike like so high to get to the top of this place. I'm like, is this even worth it? I get to the top and there's like literally just like free running monkeys at the top that That's you can awesome. feed through a fence. And you're, yeah, it's amazing. And you sit, you're looking over the top of the entire Kyoto skyline, like you're at, literally at the top. And I remember going around back and I see these four little monkeys, it was the cutest thing ever, are uh, up in the back where people can't get to. It's like this lush, beautiful green scenery. And these four monkeys are going the hardest play I've ever seen anything do. Like they're literally like jumping in and they're like, half a foot tall dude they're the cutest things ever like all four of them running jumping through trees like grab like literally tarzan grabbing a tree branch like swinging and jumping off and running and they're jumping on each other and tackling each other and rolling down the hill and like i was at that moment at the top of the mountain i was like dude i actually am in pokemon go like reality right like i got to japan playing pokemon go and i sacrificed all this right now and like in that moment and then like, you know, coming back from the bullet train, two hour ride. And then like, you know, being in Tokyo for another couple of days by myself and exploring and then meeting up with Reversal again. And then we grinded a, an event in uh, Kinshisho Station, which is like one of the most iconic places in the world to play Pokemon Go because there's like 10 stops and people literally lure it 24 seven. Like the guy over there has caught like over a million and a half Pokemon, which is nuts. And to put that in perspective, I've been playing for four years and I've caught 200,000 and I'm relatively like fast. Like I'm, I'm kind of like on the more hardcore end, kind of. And this dude has 1.5 million catches. <laughs> I think he's on the hardcore end, man. He's, <laughs> this is hardcore to the next level. Like That's, these places are... That is the Pokemon insane. trainer. He had like 110,000 rat candy when I was there. My gosh. Yeah. That's insane. So, yeah, I finish off the trip. I go to an owl cafe, which was also like amazing. Like they treat these owls amazing. And then you get to pick two owls and they get to sit on you. That's sweet. And like I picked this little guy. His name was Sweet Potato and Orange Sherbert. So Sweet Potato is like six <laughs> inches tall. He's the cutest owl I've ever seen in my life. And then so I get that guy. And then the second one, this Orange Sherbert, he's like a uh, maybe a foot and a half owl. He's a big owl. And so I pick him. And so I get my, my arm uh, like, you know, they put the glove on so he doesn't claw my arm. And then he's really smart, too. So the owner's like, you know, makes him fly. He flies across the room onto my arm. And I see people around the rooms like somebody's got this owl like sitting on her head. This other dude's owl is like flying away. And so I have this big owl on my arm. He's the second biggest owl in there. He's super pretty, too, like a burnt orange color. And he just kind of like starts like falling asleep, like nodding off. Like he was looking around for a while and then like he starts nodding off. And I was like, huh, that's kind of weird. Like everybody else has owls tweaking out. And he comes back to me in a second. He's like, you must have really good energy because Orange Sherbert usually like flies away. 
every time. He's like, he flies away. If he doesn't like your energy, like he will act out. And so he's, and he's like, I know he's really comfortable because not only is he sleeping, he's got one leg like sucked up. And so I guess that's like the most like parasympathetic, like chill you could ever be. So sleeping on my arm, like I finished the trip, like amazing. I fly back. Uh, and I then realize in that moment that like, you know, this is possible for me. And now I'm at 50, over 50,000 subscribers. My vlogs are, you know, picking up. My views are picking up on my videos. I'm like, you know, I can actually do this as a career and coming back completely fulfilled and exhausted now because I, I had to lay over through San Francisco to get to, to Oregon. Like it was it was hectic. And I think my flight was delayed for five hours in San Francisco. Welcome to travel. But, uh, yeah. I know. And in that moment, like getting off, getting home, like being completely tired. I think I did a video the next day. <laughs> I was like, yo, let's go. So that, that was it for me. Sweet. And now it's it's what, a, a year? Um, about a year later from that. About like, a year Yokohama later. Would be about, I would be about getting home from Japan like right now. So you're about a year later. Where is your channel at now after after this? Yeah, so that was I was probably at fifty-two thousand. Now I'm at uh, one hundred sixty-two thousand subscribers. So another year, and you've gained over another hundred thousand subscribers. So your journey yeah. started in two thousand seventeen, correct? Yeah, officially, I officially yeah, but I would say that I really started in April two thousand eighteen. Okay. Yep. So you guys can kind of put that timeline together and see where he's started and gone and grown to, and all of the yep. trials that he's had to, you know overcome to be a successful content creator like we've said mm -hmm. from the start it is not easy you will not be successful overnight you will not be famous overnight if you are it is because you are in an inner circle and you are very very lucky it does yeah. not happen to very many people um so and don't let the media influence you otherwise you see these people that blow up overnight but they they put the work in we've talked about it you Six just don't years, see and then they blow up overnight yeah <laughs> they don't just blow up overnight yeah you just don't know that they've been doing it to 10 people for the past 10 years like you just mm -hmm. you just don't know exactly so that is kind of where we'll wrap up this episode for you know the part two of choosing your career this is billy's journey into doing that we'll get into mine kind of next and and where that goes and continue this whole you know, life and career choosing path, because it's one of the biggest decisions you'll make in your life. And there's a lot of lessons that we learn while we're doing it. Um, any final thoughts at all, Billy, from your end? Yeah, just want to tell you guys that like, whatever you think you can do, you can do with enough persistency, dedication, and I would say uh, innovation, meaning that you have to take things. And even if you think it's going to be one way in your mind, you can change that. Uh, don't be afraid to innovate. The things that fail during recessions, businesses are the businesses that don't innovate. So you have to always be innovating and opening to new topics and new directions and not so much that you lose yourself, but enough that you can still be yourself and you can change paths um, enough to keep you successful. So I think those things are, are super imperative. And yeah, we'll go on to all those other things. And also, I just wanted to add that like, just because culture tells you to go to college and that's the first thing that everybody wants to do, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be you. I mean, I did it and look at where I'm at right now. Brad didn't do it. Look at where Brad's at right now. And we'll talk more about that. But I just want to let you guys know that like, you don't have to make such big decisions so early in your life and then regret those decisions. Like there's nothing wrong with trying things, knowing that like, you know, college is always there. Like you can do college at 50. 
I'm not telling you not to do college if that's what you want, but just make sure you do what you want and you like really go into something that's going to make you feel fulfilled because that's truly, I feel like, what you can master life with. So that does it for us today. Uh, go check out the trainer club on YouTube. Drop Billy some comments. Let him know. Let him know what you think about his journey and everything like that. Be a part of his journey if you're not already. And you know, like, comment, subscribe, do all the fun things for us, and we'll see you next week. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Peace.